HBP. Nothing personal word of the day. Thursday, April 15th. It's Jackie Robinson Day. 74th anniversary of Jackie Robinson. We're going to talk about that. We're going to review an interesting movie on Apple. But first, we start with the news of the day. HBP. What do you do when you're being no hit? And you're up there. Do you try to bunt? When the defense is playing back, there's a shift to try to hit the other way to break up the no hitter. Unwritten rule of baseball, you don't do that. Horse hockey. We told our teams to absolutely do that. We don't want to ever be no hit. It's embarrassing. Last night, the Chicago White Sox, Carlos Rodon, that the same guy who was the third pick in the draft in 2014, the guy who has had declining performance every year, was non-tendered, and then re-signed with the White Sox for like $3 million. That guy had a perfect game going into the ninth inning against the Cleveland Indians. Now, you know, Terry Francona, the manager of the Indians, is a good guy. You know that he respects baseball. He's a Hall of Famer. And you know that he does not want to see his team get no hit, but he wants to earn a walk. He wants to earn a hit, even if it's a bunt the other way. If you're going to do a shift and leave wide open one side of the infield, you deserve to have a hit against you. Forget the unwritten rules of baseball. Roberto Perez gets into the box. Backdoor slider, back foot slider. That's when you throw a ball and literally from the pitcher's standpoint, you're aiming at the back foot of the hitter. Rodon is a lefty, Roberto Perez is a righty. So you spin it in and you try to get a swinging strike. You're never getting a called third strike on a back foot slider. You're trying to get a swinging strike. So the ball spins in. And bing, bang, boom, we got a runner on first, hit by pitch, perfect game over. The crowd goes crazy. The announcers go crazy. Everyone is saying this is an outrage. Of course, he then gets the next two outs, gets the no-hitter. The Chicago White Sox, by the way, have so many no-hitters, it's unbelievable. They have the second most no-hitters of any team in baseball behind the Dodgers, I think. Just a lot of them. It's pretty cool. But what I found interesting is after the game, Roberto Perez the guy who got hit by the pitch to break up the perfect game said, Hey, I didn't know it was a perfect game. (laughs) Not true. You know, they talk about it in the dugout when your team is throwing the no hitter, everybody's aware of it because you don't change positions. Did I ever tell you that I did not see one pitch from the Edinson Volquez no hitter? was stuck in an office because I couldn't move because there was a no hitter going on. Players are in the same place on the bench. If you're in the clubhouse, you're in the clubhouse, you're in the training room, you're in the training room, you don't move. Everybody is aware of it. When you're being no hit, you may not know the first three innings. I'll give you that. But when you're the leadoff hitter and you are leading off in the fourth inning and then again in the seventh inning, you're pretty clear that it's been a perfect game so far. Of course, there could be a double play. That's true. But you're looking around and you're saying, huh, I don't recall anybody being on base. So Roberto Perez says, I didn't know it was a no-hitter. Why would I even have any idea? I wonder if the White Sox questioned whether or not to pull Rodon from the game. The answer is no. There's a lot of talk about that. You know how the Twins pulled Jose Berrios? He had a no-hit bid through six innings last week. 84 pitches, they pulled him. First run through the rotation at the beginning of a season. All you want from your pitchers is to please give up a hit. Please, for the love of God. Do not make me pull you with a no-hit bid on the line because I'm going to do it. 
we would tell our pitchers the first one or two times through the rotation what their maximum pitch limit was. We would get in front of the no-hit situation and say it doesn't matter where you are, what is happening in the game. When you get to 85 pitches, no matter how easy the 85 has gone, no matter how good your velo is, no matter how many hits or lack of hits the other team has, we're pulling you. We have a long season ahead of us. You are one of our top pitchers, and we're not risking it. The juice is not worth the squeeze. So pitchers are very aware what their standing is in the organization. We talked about Joe Musgrove and his no-hitter, right? He was left in the game. He had 100 and, I don't know, 12 pitches. It's a lot of pitches for earlier in the season, but he's a depth rotation piece who they signed this year, traded for. They're not going to do that with their top young pitcher like a Chris Paddock. But with Carlos Rodon, the White Sox said, hey, you got to throw 100 pitches, 110 pitches. It's second time through. No problem. He's a non-tender. It wasn't even a question for Tony La Russa. He is not taking out Carlos. Wasn't going to happen. Now, the funny thing about Tony La Russa as the manager of the White Sox is that he is a manager who manages with a red ass. What that means is that he's got a temper. He has a very, very long memory, holds grudges for a very long time, remembers everything that happened. So if his pitcher has a no-hit bid and you bunt against the shift, he's going to plunk you the next time. Will Roberto Perez be plunked for being hit in the foot by a back foot slider in the ninth inning? Nah, Roberto, you're going to be fine. Don't worry about it. There was no way to get out of the way, even though Carlos motioned to him saying you couldn't get out of the way. The whole point of a backdoor slider, I keep switching names, it's back foot. The whole purpose of that is it freezes you. You, you think it's coming and spinning toward you and that you can get a good swing on it. And then all of a sudden it dives towards your foot and there's nothing you can do about it. I guess that's it. Carlos Rodon. The White Sox needed that victory. It's actually a big victory. What a strange season. The Marlins have now won four in a row. They've won three games in a row in Atlanta. We could never win in Atlanta during 16 years. It was impossible to win a series in Atlanta. Forget a four-game sweep, which the Marlins are going for today. The Red Sox have won nine in a row, first team in history. Can you imagine this has never happened in the history of baseball? Every time something new happens and we would say this has never happened, we'd get told by our PR people, of course it's happened. It happened in 1874. Nobody's gotten swept the first series of the year and gone on to a nine-game winning streak. Hmm. I cannot believe the Red Sox have done that. I think they're in first place. The Yankees got walked off. There's panic in New York. I was reading the New York papers this morning. The Yankees have a problem. Here's what the Yankees problem is. It's exactly what we told you on nothing personal. The Yankees problem is they don't have enough pitching. Corey Kluber. No. Herman Miners. Jamison Talion. No. Montgomery. He's been decent. Don't blame it on Stanton hitting a buck 20. The problem is pitching. They got walked off by Bo Bichette. I, did you feel old, Coca? Do you know who Dante Bichette is, by the way? Dante Bichette is the father of Bo Bichette. Dante Bichette was an amazing player for the Colorado Rockies. Spent a lot of years in Colorado. And uh, his son now plays for the Blue Jays. Hit a walk-off home run. There's nothing like generational talent 
to make you feel old. I remember watching Pudge Rodriguez's son. His name was, we're going to have Pudge Rodriguez, I think, on a future Samson sit down. I think we should do that, Coca. Talk about 03. Think about 03. His son, Derek, is his name, pitched for the San Francisco Giants, who are also having a good season, by the way. But it's early. Everyone be calm. How are the Mets doing? Steve Cohn's first year. They just swept a doubleheader, I think. They're doing very well. I think they could be in first place in the National League East. The Mets have an interesting situation going on with their new owner. All this talk about Francisco Lindor. He's struggling a little bit. Michael Conforto struggling. Edwin Diaz pitching well. Does that make the trade good that was done by Brody Van Wagenen? But I was thinking about the Mets for a different reason yesterday. I was thinking about the Mets because Bernie Madoff died yesterday. 82 years old. He died in federal prison. I think he had about 120 years left on his sentence. I went through law school asking people why you get consecutive life sentences. I could never get anyone to properly explain it to me. Consecutive life sentences. You commit three murders. You got three life sentences consecutive. You don't start serving the second life sentence until you're dead. And the first life sentence has been served. I don't know. Is that about reincarnation? You, you warthog over there. Get over here. You're going to prison. Yep. I know that you're reincarnated as that murderer and you're about to serve your second life sentence. I was always told that it gives some sort of comfort to each victim's family where they say, yes, life sentence for the murder of my child or my spouse or my friend. I just want the person dead, except I didn't want Bernie Madoff dead. I wanted him in prison. I wanted him being violated every day. I wanted him suffering the suffering that you'd only see in the Princess Bride down below the tree with Chris Sarandon and Carrie Elwes. Bernie Madoff is the mastermind of the biggest Ponzi scheme in history. For those of you who don't know who that is, he would take money. Ponzi scheme is when you take money from one person to pay back another person who you owe money to, and you make that person believe they earned that money through a great rate of return or through a, an investment that worked out. So you get another person to invest in this great company you run. You take the money that gets invested by the second person, and you give that money to the first person saying, look how great the investment is. You just got a rate of return of 20%. And then the first, second guy says, I want my 20%. And you got to go to a third guy and say, give me money. You're going to get 20%. You take that money, give it to the second guy and say, look, you just got 20%. And then you got to give the third guy 20%. Uh-oh. What happens when you run out of guys to get money from? And all of a sudden, you're not delivering the rate of return that you said you were because you've taken all the money and bought yourself a boat, a yacht, and a piece of art, and a plane and a train, and an automobile. Bernie Madoff got caught. And the reason why I will never forgive Bernie Madoff, and, and I'm a pretty forgiving guy. I do not hold grudges. Uh, I, I, I believe in second chances. I appreciate the second chance you've all given me after a baseball career where I was not beloved but doing my job. And now I'm here on nothing personal. What Bernie Madoff did, the impact is still being felt, not just in baseball. You remember the Bernie Madoff New York Mets connection? The former owners of the Mets, Fred Wilpon and Jeff Wilpon, invested money with Bernie Madoff. 
They got a nice rate of return, a consistent nice rate of return, so much so that they were willing to defer contracts with interest because it was good business. Here's the story behind that. Hey, Bobby Boni, you want to be a Met? I got a deal for you. We're going to pay you a million dollars a year for 20 years way in the future. And we're going to give you interest. We're going to give you 5% interest. I'm making up the numbers. But I'm going to take the money that I'm not paying you this year. I'm going to invest it with Bernie Madoff. And I'm going to make 8% every year. I'm going to give you your money 20 years from now. And the money I would have paid you this year is working for me now. I'm rich. And I'm going to be richer. Uh-oh, I still have to pay Bobby Bonilla. And Bernie Madoff's in jail. Bernie Madoff's returns were all fake. Except Bernie Madoff didn't just take the Wilpons money. Bernie Madoff got rich taking money from charities. When you run a charity, it's a 501c3. It means it's not for profit. That's a regulation, that's a law. 501c3 simply means when you hear that, that is an organization that is made to not be profitable. It's called a not-for-profit. I often say baseball teams are not 501c3s. Baseball teams are there to make a profit, but charities are not. Charities get donations. They do fundraisers. That is how they get revenue. They take that revenue and they invest it. They give some to the cause, some higher than others, let's say 80% of every dollar goes to the cause to cure cancer, to cure Parkinson's, to fund grants to athletes with disabilities, whatever the case is, you take the rest of the money and you invest it, it becomes your endowment. You take the interest from the money that you've invested so you can help more people. Bernie Madoff took so much money from charities, made them believe they were making this amount of money, but they weren't. And when Bernie Madoff went down, these charities lost all their money. And all of the time and money that was spent trying to pay back some of the people who lost money with Bernie Madoff, they, none of them were made whole. The impact to charitable organizations is being felt today. Makes me absolutely insane. It's just wrong. You can't be dead enough, Bernie. I wish you were still alive. Players take a lot of... Uh, pain to give money to charity, to give their time to charity. We actually enforce it in our contracts. When we sign players to long-term contracts, we put a charitable component in. And I want to tell you why, because this is a little known fact here, folks. When you've got a deal for a stadium in your community, you make a deal saying, give us money as part of this public-private partnership. And in return, we'll do the following 10 things. One of which is that we will give back to the community through the Marlins Foundation, through whatever it is, we are gonna be good community partners and give back. We're gonna do charitable events like a poker night, like a dinner, like whatever we're gonna to do to try to raise money for our foundation. But if we have to give away more money than we take in, it is incumbent on the owner to budget that and the owner will then support the foundation. The owner will pay salaries for people who work in the foundation. The owner will pay money into the foundation to cover money that has to go out of the foundation that doesn't come in through revenue generating activities. How else can you generate money into a charity other than doing events? Ah, we came up with the perfect plan. When you sign a player to a long-term deal, you say, we'll give you $5 million a year, but you will 
every year donate 1% of your salary to the Marlins Foundation. Every year, 50 grand. And players always say yes, because we say to the players, you get a deduction for it. It's a, it's a deductible, and you have so much W-2 income, because W-2 income is salary. All of these players making all this money have a ton of salary, a ton of tax liability. One way to lower your tax liability is to give money to charity. That's why everyone should always give money to charity. So the players would help fund team foundations. The players have realized that they like doing that, but they've gotten smarter over the years. They now want to direct where the money goes. And I never liked that. We'll decide where the money goes within the foundation. We'll decide which organizations get supported by the Marlins Foundation. We're in a better position to decide all of those allocations. Players now say, you know what? I want to choose. They've gotten smarter and they say, I'll give you your 50 grand to your foundation, except it will only be used for youth baseball. It will only be used for cancer. It'll only be used for X, Y, or Z. No problem. I don't like saying yes to that, but at the end of the day, I would because it's more important to get the charity funded. But players now are also doing their charitable events and charitable outreach outside of the team. That's not as positive a development for the team, but as a very charitable person myself, I'm a consequentialist as well. It doesn't matter to me. I want players doing charity. Last year when all of the, and it's still going on, I guess, the systemic racism, racial inequality, and everybody starting to get woke or falling back asleep or whatever the case may be, a lot of players, led by Curtis Granderson, Giancarlo Stanton, among others, started something called the Players Alliance. The Players Alliance is a organization made up of all players, black, white, Hispanic, mostly black, but all players are a part of it. And they are a charity, if you will, who is trying to raise awareness about the inequality and trying to get black participation in baseball up and trying to level the playing field, if you will. They've made a big announcement because today is the 74th anniversary of Jackie Robinson entering baseball, breaking the color barrier. What he went through, by the way. If you haven't seen the movie Jackie, I think uh, is 42. Is that Chadwick Boseman and Josh Gad? I'm trying to remember, Coke. I'm totally blanking, but I think they star in 42. And that is a great movie that's worth watching, but I'm just not remembering if those are the stars of it. They are. Thank you, Coca. So you should watch that to honor Jackie Robinson day today. So players announced, led by David Price and Jason Hayward and Jackie Bradley Jr., that they are among more than 100 MLB players who are donating their game day salary to support the Players Alliance. So they, teams who are playing today, Players are going to donate, quote, their game day salary. I want to read to you exactly what was said, and I want to clarify it. Players don't get paid per game. There are 187 days in a major league season. For purpose of math, let's pretend you're making $187 a year to play baseball. For the 187 days of the season, you get paid a dollar a day. 
you don't get paid $187 divided by 162 games, and that's what your pay is per game. You get paid per day. So the game day salary concept does not exist in baseball. It is your daily salary. So when it was said that they would donate their game day salary, people may have made the mistake and divided 20 million by 162. You have to divide 20 million by 187. And I'm not splitting hairs here because it's incredibly charitable what they're doing. I just want to explain it. And I want people, when you're doing a statement about something as important as donating money on Jackie Robinson Day, just make sure you're explaining what you're doing. Because if you don't, you make it seem as though it's based on optics and it shouldn't be. Effectuating change with your money matters and we can all do it no matter how much money you donate, whether it's a dollar or a nickel or a million or a billion. We can all make a difference. The players in the Players Alliance led by Curtis Granderson, now retired, who's the president of the Players Alliance, are doing really, really good work. And just make sure when you're doing that good work, while the concept of tzedakah in Judaism is the best work is done anonymously, the second best is just doing the work and giving money to charity, even if it's not anonymously. What the players are doing in the Players Alliance is critical and important and should not, does not need to be anonymous, but just make sure you are telling people what you're doing, why you're doing it, and where the money's going. And then keep going. To celebrate Jackie Robinson Day, watch 42, and then think about in your own life what you can do that would be as hard as what Jackie Robinson had to go through. What is there in your life that even comes close to dealing with what Jackie Robinson had to deal with? We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Thank you for getting through the gauntlet and for listening because we like our retention rate in the upper 90s. That means you're listening to the whole show. Thank you. Actually, 100% means the whole show. Do, 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 do. Show's not over. We watch a movie every day. I, w I went on yesterday. Sometimes I have a movie that I'm going to watch because I'm planning to watch it. Other days I'll look around. I was told it was my daughter's birthday yesterday and I was speaking to her, wishing her a happy birthday. And I said, I'm going to watch this Tom Holland movie. And it was a movie that I just had come across that I was watching the trailer for. And she said, Cherry. And that's her nickname, by the way. And I said, no. 
Cherry, what's that? She said, oh, it's on Apple. So I went on Apple. I saw Cherry. I saw that it was directed by the Russo brothers, which was very strange because Tom Holland is Spider-Man. Is he Spider-Man? I'm totally blanking now, Coca. Help me, please. I think he plays Spider-Man. And is that a Marvel character or a DC character? Isn't he in a movie with Robert Downey Jr. of Iron Man? So I think it's Marvel. And Joe Russo, the brothers Russo, direct Avengers Endgame and Avengers Infinity War. So I thought Cherry, I thought, because I don't watch trailers, I thought it was a superhero movie. And it had Sierra Bravo in it. Ciara Bravo was the star of that great show, Wayne, that we reviewed, that incredible show that's only had one season that I'm hoping has a second season. Well, folks, Cherry is not a superhero movie. It's a war movie. I was reading yesterday about how we're pulling the troops out of Afghanistan by September 11th. It's been 20 years, 20 years. And all the work that we tried to do with veterans and all the work we tried to do with the army. And one thing that we have not been able to cure in our country is the way that veterans are treated. It is an abomination. Veterans who go overseas to protect exactly what we take for granted. And the only reason we can take it for granted is because of the people in the armed forces who actually give us that freedom. Cherry stars Tom Holland as a war veteran. It's not anything other than he goes to war and he comes back and he becomes a drug addict because no one gives a flying rat's ass about him. And it is the story of what happens when you become a drug addict. And it is tragic. It's not your run of the mill at all drug addict story. It is an interesting view into the mind of someone who has no choice but to be a drug addict. And that's what bothered me about the situation, but it made Cherry worth watching. Cherry on Apple, it's worth it. Segwaying from drugs to baseball. And I'm not talking steroids or needles. I'm just talking baseball. I'm not even talking drugs. The Atlantic League is a league that is a, uh, did you ever take biology in ninth grade? Where we got in biology, we got a little baby pig that we got to dissect. And it was really cool. And sometimes I would be grossed out thinking about this poor pig that we were mutilating and learning about different parts of the pig and everything else and how the smell of formaldehyde is a smell you never forget the first time you smell it. It's like the smell of napalm in the morning. That's an old movie reference, Coca. The Atlantic League in baseball is the guinea pig of my ninth grade childhood. Anything Major League Baseball wants to do they want to try it. They want to experiment. They want to pick. They want to prod. They're doing it in the Atlantic League. And the Atlantic League says, sign me up. Makes me feel important. Makes me feel wanted. I will donate my body to science. That's what they do. They donate their league to science. It was announced yesterday by the new spokesperson for MLB rule changes, Theo Epstein. Consultant extraordinaire announced that the Atlantic League is doing two things that are fascinating and will cause a major problem with pitchers. There's a rubber in baseball. 
and I don't mean the latex kind. There's the thing you stand on that you have to engage when you throw a pitch. It's the reason Carter Capps always got in trouble because he never had his foot on the rubber. And he would take like a hop, skip, and a jump before pitching 100 miles an hour in your face. Not literally in your face. He wasn't Mike Fires. Well, that rubber is 60 feet, six inches away from the home plate. That's the number in baseball. 60 feet, six inches. Well, baseball is so annoyed at the lack of offense, so upset about the number of strikeouts, they said, we have an idea. We're going to move the rubber back a foot. We're going to make it 61 feet, six inches. Well, why a foot? Well, we decided that a foot would be enough that we will be able to study whether or not it does make a difference in the game. Well, what about injuries? No problem. We got Dr. Tommy John telling us pitchers will not be subject to more injuries. Well, I spoke to a pitcher yesterday, former pitcher of ours, talking about the fact that they spend their whole life going 66, 60.6. All of a sudden, they're going to have to go 61.6, and you're going to tell me that that doesn't change how you throw when you know how to throw a slider that breaks to the back foot of a player at 60 feet six, and now you have to break, have it break a foot later? Because if it doesn't break a foot later, guess what? It's right there, ba-boom, right in the strike zone. When you throw a fastball, a tailing or a cut fastball, a cutter, and you know how it's going to do in 60 feet, six inches, picture the catcher standing a foot further back. It changes the entire trajectory of the pitch. And you think pitchers aren't going to have to adjust to that? The purpose of the new rule is to give the hitters an extra fraction of a second to pick up the spin on the ball so they won't strike out. It's going to work. It's also going to cause injuries. The likelihood of this guinea pig making it to the big leagues is about the likelihood of my ninth grade guinea pig becoming a Thanksgiving dinner on someone's plate 10 years later. That's not the holiday for pigs, is it? I just showed my Judaism, my Jewishness here, didn't I, Coca? What is the holiday where you eat pig? I can't, like, where you do the pig and you roll it around on that, uh, what's it called when you have a pig uh, in a fire, not in a blanket, it's over a fire and you roll it and you roll it and somehow it cooks and then you slice it and eat it. It's a holiday. Ah, Coca's gone. I think he got upset when I said rubber. Second thing the Atlantic League is doing. They are changing the rule that when you pull out your starting pitcher from the game, you lose your designated hitter. Why, you ask? Good question. I'm glad you asked. The reason why is they want to encourage teams to keep their starting pitcher in longer. Because... If you take your starter out and you lose your DH, that means you're playing under National League rules, which means the pitcher is in the batting order, which means when the pitcher comes up to bat, you're going to have to pinch hit for him. Hey, Theo, I got a quick point for you. When you increase the number of people on the roster, that sort of obviates the concern that anyone would have about losing the DH, doesn't it? You think when you were president of baseball ops for the Cubs or the Red Sox, that you would leave your starting pitcher in longer because you wanted to keep your DH in the game? Is that really what you're saying? 
that a guy who comes up once every three innings is worth the sacrifice to keep a starting pitcher in who's ineffective because you want to keep him, the guys bat in the lineup? GMAB. NGTH. Not going to happen. Managers will not manage differently. Front offices will not instruct their managers to manage differently because of this rule. I understand what baseball is doing. They're searching for the prostate by trying to get through the large intestine of the guinea pig. I get it. Listen, if you have a hard time peeing, you got to find the prostate. But you got to go through a lot of crap to get there. So baseball is in the middle of going through the crap. Don't panic just because you think these rule changes are going to make their way to the major leagues. Pitch clocks, yep. Universal DH, for sure. Possible banning of the shift, don't see why not. Increasing the size of the bases, you had me at hello. But moving the, the mound back, doing the double hook, not going to happen. You know what is going to happen, though? You're going to make money by listening to Nothing Personal Pick of the Day. The Nothing Personal Pick of the Day. Did you take the Pirates? Please tell me you did. Remember why we told you to do it? We're now 50 and 30, by the way. 50 and 30. Joe Musgrove was pitching for the Padres, do you remember? And we said Joe Musgrove pitching for the Padres after a no-hitter. Only one guy, Johnny Vandermeer, has ever had no back-to-back no-hitters. And we said, just you wait to see. He's going to give up a hit in the first three innings. Well, we waited. We saw he gave up a hit in the first inning. We got that one right from yesterday or two days ago, whenever that was. But more importantly, we told you, bet the Pirates are going to make money. The Pirates won 5-1. to one. We're 50-30. and 30. Congratulations. Well, we're going for 51 and 30 tomorrow. We got a game tonight. Patrick Corbin is pitching for the Nationals. Patrick Corbin had a terrible start, Coca, his last start. I would put you on the spot right now and tell you to give me the stats of his last start, but I can't remember when his last start was. I would assume five days ago, but the Nats don't play every day because of this, because of that, because of off days, because of COVID. But either way, he got rocked in his last start. Hey, hey, Coca-licious. April 10th versus the Dodgers. He couldn't even get out of the fifth inning. He went four and a third. Absolutely shellacked. And this is Corbin. Yes, that highly paid guy. Well, he's going to win tonight. Nats over D-backs. It's a must win for Corbin. He's going to get the win. He's going to go more than five innings. Nothing personal. Pick of the day. Wait to see is when when we tell you something's going to happen. And then if it does... We revisit it. If it doesn't, we revisit it. We told you about Musgrove. I got to wait to see today about something that really bothered me yesterday. I'm so uncomfortable, Coca. Coca has me sit on extra pillows if you're on YouTube watching Nothing Personal. So I'm on two pillows plus an ass saver that I got on Amazon, which I can't even feel because I'm on the two pillows because he wants me taller when I explain to him that I'm 5'5 and my mother smoked. So I'm on all these pillows and I keep sliding off the pillows because I don't have very much cushion in my bottom. It's a little bony. So I'm sliding and slipping and I pull myself up, but I'm in a very strange glove chair. If you're only listening to this, you have no idea what I'm talking about, but keep downloading, keep following. So the wait to see is about a topic that bothers me greatly. And it is athletes or anybody who commit acts of violence. 
And this is not me standing on my soapbox, quite the opposite. This is me asking you as a listener and an audience member, why do you fight? You know, I've never been punched and I've never thrown a punch my whole life. The fact that I've never thrown a punch is simply because I wouldn't throw a punch. I would never hit somebody. Never say never, never. The reason I've never been punched is because I've been able to talk my way out of some sticky situations or I can just run faster than the slowest person. A couple of days ago, Aaron Donald, do you know who that is? Aaron Donald is a multi-time defensive player of the year, I think. Pro Bowl defender. He came from Pitt. Just a one of the best defensive players in the league. He was back in Pittsburgh where he spends his offseason. He was at a bar. How many times do I have to tell players that at 3 a.m., nothing good happens? If you are still out at a bar at 3 a.m., you're going to get in trouble, I would say to the players. Because either you're going to make a mistake or you're going to get into a fight. Those are the only two things. Go to bed. Go back to your room. If you can't get it done by 3 a.m., it's not going to happen. Aaron Donald is being accused of assault in Pittsburgh. There's a man who was on Twitter showing a picture of his face that got pummeled like he had been, he had gone two rounds with Tyson and the Tiger back in the day. And there's some video that there was some fight between two groups of people. Who knows what you're fighting about the 3 a.m. The odds are that people are drunk. You could be fighting about women, men, who knows what, drinks, tabs, money. When you're running a team, there is nothing more frustrating than the knowledge that during the offseason, there's nothing you can do about what your players are doing. And during the season, there's nothing you can do about what your players are doing except trying to enforce a curfew, which we don't enforce because we don't knock on the door when the team's on the road. Hello, are you in your room? It's curfew. We don't do that. We say we do, but we don't. Players know we don't. Do we tell every neighborhood bar, restaurant to close and not let our players in? And that's during the season. During the off-season, we actually know zero. We hope they do the off-season workout and they're being responsible. So frustrating. Aaron Donald has a problem. And the problem is that whether he threw the punch or not, he's the name in the group where punches were thrown and people were hit and lawsuits will come. And we kept telling our players, you want to know a sure way to get poor? Keep going out at three in the morning. Keep getting hammered and getting into fights. You're going to have to settle lawsuits or you're going to have to worse go to trial and get judgments against you. It's not worth it, no matter what. Well, the NFL is going to have to get involved. NFL is so busy getting involved in so many things that are going on. More news every day on Deshaun Watson. More suits, fewer suits, names being named. Well, Aaron Donald is going to get fined, and he may even get suspended by the NFL. And the reason this is my way to see is that Aaron Donald will be fined and or suspended by the NFL for his activity in Pittsburgh the other night is that the NFL is getting up to its ears in these off-court incidences. It is a possible blow to their revenue, 
to their sport, to their business. They do not want to be known as a league of felons. They want to be known as a league of athletes and performers and entertainers. They've got to get the message out more clearly, and they will. Aaron Donald, wait to see. All right, Coca, I want to quickly answer someone's question. We still have five minutes left. I want to answer it. You know what I want? I want to I guess not. Samson. I thought we were going to play some music. We were going to play the So You Want to Talk to Samson music. The So You Want to Talk to Samson music is what we play when we are going to ask a question. And, oh, we did play a Coke. I just can't hear it. He's yelling at me. Am I stop yelling? Okay. I couldn't hear it. We're in different places. I'm being blamed because I didn't hear the fact that you played this. So you want to talk to Samson music? I've got you yelling in my ear when I say something wrong or do something wrong. Anyway, so you want to talk to Samson? Get in my Twitter, David P. Samson, hit follow. The question is would you sign Yasiel Puig? Why am I answering that right now? How many times do I have to say it in how many languages and how many different ways? No. Nine. Yet. Pas de tout. Pas de chance. N triple O. Isel Puig is involved in some off the court, off the field issues and came out with a bunch of statements saying that his concern is that he's not being signed because he is being sued for sexual assault and unwanted sexual advances at a Lakers game when he took a woman into a bathroom and violated her. It's unclear whether he took his pants off and pleasured himself in front of her or whether he forced her to pleasure him. Whatever the case may be, it was something that was not wanted by the woman, not consensual at all. And the best Puig can come up with is that the reason he's not being signed is he's being shadow banned. I just learned what that was on today's Levitard, by the way. He's being shadow banned because of this incident in the Laker game bathroom. Well, Yasiel, I got big news for you. The reason why you're not playing on a team is because you don't play baseball well anymore. And you're such a pain in the neck in the clubhouse that rumors and word has gotten around to all 30 teams that you simply are not worth it. You don't perform well enough the way you used to to make it worthwhile for you to have been a bad teammate. Now you don't play well enough. So no one wants to sign you. It's not a shadow ban. It's a talent ban. It's not a shadow ban. It's an attitude ban. And you're trying to say that the reason you're not being signed is because of what you did to this woman, which, by the way, you're claiming you didn't do it because you said it was consensual. She came out and said that she is a lesbian. She came out and said there was nothing consensual about this. He said, but I sent you a text and you responded with a great emoji saying, hope to see you soon. She said, I responded that way because I was so scared you were going to thinking that you were going to see me again and do it to me again. There's back and forth text messages going on. There are lawyers back and forth releasing text messages saying that their case is being proved by these text messages. And my point is slightly different. How many times do we need to tell people, how many times? If a woman does not want to be touched, don't touch her. 
if a woman does not want you to drop your pants and pleasure yourself, then don't drop your pants and pleasure yourself. Athletes, actors, entertainers, construction workers, teachers, eyeglass manufacturers, anybody has to play under the same set of rules, the same set of guidelines. The reason why no is no is that do you have the right to do something to someone who doesn't want it done to them simply because you think they meant yes when they actually said no and you think no is just an impediment on the way to yes or you think because you're a BSD that you have the right to get whoever you want whenever you want because you're in a position of power? It's an outrage. How many times are we gonna read about this? Professional athletes, I've seen this up close, have the pick of women and men because everyone wants to be in their orbit I've never understood why a player or an executive or anyone would have to make unwanted advances when there's such a great opportunity to meet people because they want to meet you because you're so quote unquote famous. Is it because you're sick? Get treatment. Because you need help. You're desperate. You're an incel. Whatever the case is, there's no excuse. And Yasel Puig trying to victim shame and blame her saying not only was it consensual, but we were gonna see each other again. It's not gonna fly, Puig. It's not gonna fly. But that's not the reason you're not on the baseball team today. So when you ask me, would I sign Yasiel Puig? The answer is clear. It's just business. It's nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.